Welcome to Tech by Design. Design is passion, design is energy, design is enthusiasm. On these episodes, we'll talk to people who exude all those things about the products they build. Come join us. Eric Hansen, how you doing? Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Eric Hansen, for those who don't know, is the Senior Director, Digital Product Development at PGA. So we're kind of really excited to have Eric on the show today, uh, talk a little golf, talk a little tech, and uh, maybe talk a little Richmond. For anybody who, who hasn't met Eric before, Eric, you have some Richmond roots, right? That's correct, Nick. Yeah, I um, spent five years at the Martin Agency um, back in the late 2000s, uh, left in 2012. And Kind of started at the Martin Agency when digital was first becoming a big component of what they did um, there. So worked on a handful of clients while I was there during during my time there. Is that and that's how you got started in the golf world, or or did that come later? Uh, yeah, well, that's actually one of the one of the clients I had while I was at the Martin Agency was Ping Golf, who's a big golf equipment manufacturer. And during my five years at uh, the Martin Agency, I, I got a chance to redo Ping.com twice, PingGolf.com twice as well as work on a little bit of mobile app stuff um, with them. So it was really close with that team um, during those years. Cool. I don't know much about the Ping website, but the G400 driver is spectacular. Uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, it's in my bag now. So uh, appreciate, <laughs> appreciate, appreciate all you did to get that in my bag. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I wish I could take credit for that one. <laughs> Alex, and you know Eric pretty well too? Oh, well, Eric, Eric actually worked with my wife while at the Martin Agency. So... Much like a lot of things here in Richmond, um, people intersect. Uh, he also worked with one of our engagement managers, Rebecca Thompson. So I think they worked together and Rebecca is yeah. the person who actually set this whole thing up. I think one of the reasons I, I pushed this so much is much like you, Nick, and, and I guess Eric, I'm a huge golf fanatic. I don't get to play as much as I used to because I, I have I have a company and kids now, but I am so excited for this podcast. This this is probably one of my favorite ones in, in, in the last few months. So, And Eric, you're coming to us from... Ponta Verdra, Vidra Beach? Yeah, correct. Yeah. The PGA headquarters, right? Yeah. So the PGA tour is located in Ponta Vedra Beach, Florida, uh, about 25, 30 miles south or southeast of Jacksonville. So we're right here along the along the coast. Beautiful place. If you play golf, it's a fantastic place to, to come to. Um, just a great little part of Florida here. Cool. When when I was a consultant at IBM, we worked with a company that was twenty minutes north of the golf course and one of their employees was the granddaughter of the head groundkeeper at, mm. at the course and um on, on one lucky afternoon mary and i my wife and i got got a behind the scenes tour of the entire golf course which was incredible oh, that's great this guy knew every, every divot every hole every drop and he's like this is where you hit the ball and it was just one of one of my fondest golf experiences ever so funny, funny story for you on that, Alex. So as a um, PGA Tour employee, we can we can play the courses over there, so we can play TPC Sawgrass. And um, last summer, my son has finally reached the age where he can play play golf. So last summer, I took him out um, to play the stadium course, the same course they play the Players Championship on. And uh, we show up to the first hole, and I hit my drive, and I hit it into the into the weeds down um, left of the fairway. My son gets up there. He cranks his drive down the middle of the fairway. My son's six years old, 
And his very first shot at the stadium course at TPC Sawgrass was a, was a drive straight down the middle. I got a video of it. It's like a proud dad moment for me <laughs> where he just cranks this beautiful drive down the, down the middle of the fairway. It was, it was great to see. He's got no nerves. He, he doesn't know what he's doing out there. He's, uh, he didn't know what he's, there's nobody out there. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Eric, I want to get into some, some digital and tech design stuff. And uh, maybe we can wrap up by giving your thoughts on the design of, of, of Hole 17 and, and your take on that one. <laughs> Um, to round it out. I don't, I don't want to geek out on the golf too much. I know we have an audience here looking to, to hear about the tech. So, Alex, should we dive in? Yeah, let's go. I want to go with the hardest question first, if you don't mind. I'm let's do it. Straight for it. So, so I, I've obviously been watching golf since I was a kid. My grandfather, uncle, my whole family plays golf. But how do you design for an experience? Like, I mean, it's golf, right? Like you, the whole point is watching every swing. The whole point is watching the ball movement. The whole point is, is essentially understanding the strategy, right? What's the strategy for, for designing technology around an experience that, that is meant to be watched? Like, how do you design for second screens? How do you design for one screen? I mean, it's, it's, it's a question I've had for a long time. That's actually something we try to solve every day. Um, for us. So, so think about it like this. During the course of a normal golf tournament, there's about 32,000 shots that are taken on the course through all the different players. We have anywhere between 144 to 154 players just on a PGA Tour event who are out playing. And so you can't show all 32,000 shots. Uh, we actually have once, and I'll talk about that in a second. So what you have to do is figure out how do you visually represent that? Um, and that's what we're always trying to solve is how do we give our fans a higher and higher fidelity experience to represent all 32,000 of those shots. And it started simple with, hey, being able to see where the shot is on a, a basically digital representation of a hole. And that's kind of how, that kind of was our standard way of representing each shot. And then um, last year in 2020, we introduced something called Torcast, which actually brought a true like 3D representation of every course to our fans. And not only did we show where the ball was on a 3D map, we also were using radar technology to actually show you the shot shape off the tee. So you can see if a guy hit a wicked hook or a slice um, off the tee, if he hit a worm burner really low, you can see that. And we're using radar technology to do that. And then this year uh, at the Players' Championship here in 2021, uh, we accomplished for the first time ever in golf, we actually showed every shot live. And so we actually had um, you know over 84, 85 cameras on the course where we were actually able to show every shot live. And you could dial up any group you wanted, any player you wanted, and watch it live. And then we fed all those clips back into our Torcast system automatically using AI capabilities to automatically cut those clips and then layer them on top of the 3D um, that was there. So that's how we kind of think about it, Alex. It's how do, we, how do we show all those shots when we don't have cameras out there? And how do we make our fans feel like they can actively participate in the experience, even if they're not seeing it on TV? So Eric, it... Is, it, is the business case for it intended to be a second screen type of experience to complement the live TV coverage? Or are you is your assumption that it could potentially replace the live coverage? Yeah, I don't, it will never replace live TV or live coverage. It's really meant to supplement and, and fill in. And so like, like you said earlier, like we can't cover every player that's out there. TV can't cover every player that's out there. And what we see is our fans have a lot of players that they love to follow no matter how well they're doing or how poor they're doing, our fans love to follow certain players. And that's even more so for international players. So players not here in the U.S., players that don't get the same coverage, they have huge international followings. And so we have a player um, named Victor Hovland who's from Norway. 
he's immensely popular in Norway. And we see his fans follow him on our digital platforms very, very intently. And so what we give is we give a way to follow these players that, again, might not get much coverage. Fans can follow them. Uh, you know, one of the other things that's, that's gotten big is betting on golf. And so golf's fantastic because you have so many different outcomes, so many different things happening at once. That's a great platform for sports betting. And so you have players that you might have a bet on and you want to follow them and see how well they're doing. And so we have these digital platforms that allow our fans to, to follow these players and actually have a rooting interest in it. Yeah, I think um, one of the things, and, and, and maybe you could just give me a little um, insight into how you designed for this as well. But when I was younger, I, I, I loved David Duval, right? Like he had the over-rotated swing. Uh, I, I think he, mm -hmm. he placed second in a British Open, maybe like 90, 90, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but yeah, so I would use Torcast to follow players that that wouldn't necessarily get that TV coverage that that you'd see on on live TV. But here's a question for Torcast: Do you see a lot of people trying to go out there and and try to hit the same shots as as some of the pros do, or or basically take that that same model? And and do you have any examples of that? Not not that I have offhand. Like I'm not like we haven't gotten any you know user testimonials um, about that. I can I can tell you firsthand. I've used it. I've actually. I had a, had a friend of mine that was playing Harbortown up in Hilton Head uh, a couple weeks ago. I saw he had posted that he was going to be playing um, Harbortown. So I sent him Torcast and I sent him the 3D model for <laughs> Harbortown. And I said, hey, before you go out and play, go get a preview of the course. You can fly through every hole. You can see every hole. You can see where the bunkers are. He's a pretty good player. So um, he, got a, he got a preview of the course in 3D prior to him going out. And um, you know, I used it. I've used it out on the course before too to kind of get a preview of where I'm going on the course too. So I, you know, personally here at TPC Sawgrass have, have used it to see where I'm going. The other thing that I use it for that's interesting, Alex, and I've seen a couple of fans use this like this, is uh, if you think about watching golf on TV, a guy hits a ball into the trees or hits a shot, kind of a wayward shot, and there's no TV cameras over there. And sometimes it takes three, four, five minutes for a TV camera to get over there so you can see what the shot is. Uh, the way we have created Torcast with the trees and just kind of the layout allows you to actually fly into the shot and see what the guy has and see what his shot looks like before it ever is on TV. And so there's a lot of times where I've zoomed in to the ball to see, is he behind a tree? Does he have water in front of him? Like how hard is the shot before the TV cameras get there? Just to, just to kind of know what's what's coming down the line. So that's kind of how I've used it before. And I've seen several fans use it like that too. Eric, can you can we go into the the back end of the the data for all of this? I mean, essentially, you're amalgamating an enormous amount of data, whether it's about the course itself, you know, about the players' history and the players' skill set, to you know, actual whole data over multiple players. When you guys were at the front end of this and thinking about, okay, here are all the pieces and parts we want to design. How do you begin to to brainstorm about how you're going to amalgamate all that data together? It kind of, it kind of comes from both ends. Um, of it a little bit is knowing what data you have available to you. The other is what do fans want to see and what's the public want to see? And then how do you have to possibly create some of that as well? And then the third part sometimes is just kind of dumb luck that you, you get into in this space. So um, I'll, I'll kind of talk through that a little bit, Nick. If you think about our, our 3D product, our Torcast 3D product, we actually do stereoscopic imagery of the course. And so we're actually flying airplanes over each course and then we create 3D assets from that. We actually have a partner in New Zealand actually does it for us. They actually do it for TV. 
So if you're watching a golf tournament, you'll see 3D shot tracking or shot tracing on TV. The team that does that is the same team that, that creates our 3D maps for us. So we have a base layer of 3D, of a 3D course. We then take uh, the GPS coordinate data for every shot and layer that on top of that map, which is how we get all the different shot trails and, and you're able to fly through and see where the, the ball position is. We then have radar behind each hole, which allows us to see the shot trail. So we actually have Doppler radar that allows us to, to track the ball and create the ball flight. And then one of the things we just introduced three weeks ago was we actually are using LIDAR on the greens to actually show the slope and the, the change in the greens. And so um, we, have a, we have a company that goes out and maps every course for us a couple of weeks beforehand using LIDAR. And so we now have layered LIDAR data on top of our green. So if you hit a little flag button in Torcast now, you'll actually get like a video game grid that comes up to actually show how quickly the green moves, if it moves left to right, forward to up or down. And that actually allows you to, if you want to zoom in on one of the shots, if you see a player has a shot, you're actually going to be able to see, is that putt going to break right or left? Is it an uphill putt or downhill putt with that too? So that's kind of, I talk about the dumb luck part. We actually were doing a different project and kind of learned about the LIDAR data that we had available. And we said, hey, this is actually one of our things we want to do. We actually want to be able to bring in the slope of the green into Torcast. And um, we started working with the LIDAR data and figured out we could layer the LIDAR data on top of the 3D graphics that we have. And we literally created basically the equivalent of a golf video game for in real life. Um, with this. So every week now we produce this um, within Torcast, which has been a pretty cool addition um, over the last couple of weeks. So so throughout the tournament itself, when there are changes made to the course, um, or if there are changes made to the course during the tournament, how do you update the map uh, real time? Thankfully, there haven't been any changes to the course <laughs> during the tournament, but we have had a couple of situations where bunkers have moved, greens have moved year over year. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, the Memorial Tournament in Ohio uh, they actually redid a lot of the course. So Jack Nicholas redid the course between last year and this year. So we literally had to refly it again and basically remap the entire thing. In cases where a bunker moves or just kind of natural erosion happens, uh, the team's able to go in and hand paint in the changes. We get surveys from the, from the course and the team's able to go through and basically just hand retouch if it's a small thing. But like I said, we had a situation like that this year where we had to literally refly it because the entire course changed. Um, so in most cases we can just hand retouch, but in other cases we got to refly the whole course. Eric, can you talk a little bit about the UI UX of, of the product? And I mean, essentially you, you're creating a dashboard, which also has a 3d image. So you're showing data, potential data, you're showing a graphic, you're showing animation and you're putting all that together. That's a lot of things to have on the screen at once. Um, what were some right. of your considerations when you were thinking about UI UX? <laughs> so... When we, when we built this, we, we felt like it was going to be a very mobile first experience. When we look at our traffic and how users use the PJ Tour app and pjtour.com, we thought this was going to be a very mobile first experience. So we really designed mobile first for it and tried to make it really slick and easy to use for a mobile user. And then when we, when we built the desktop version of it, we could add in more buttons and more UI and more elements like that because we had more space. When it came down, when we actually started running it, when we actually started bringing it forward to fans, we actually found that our desktop usage was much higher than anything else we had. And what we found was happening, Nick, was our fans, a lot of them work on Thursdays and Fridays, have big desktops. And especially last year when we introduced this, a lot of our fans were still working from home, still work from home. And so what we found was they were keeping up with the PGA Tour while they were working. And they really fell in love with the desktop experience. 
And we find them continuing to even use the desktop experience during the weekend and actually will run Torcast side by side with themselves when they're watching TV or they'll run their computer and just follow their favorite players with it. So I think that's one of the things that we've probably had to adjust to is having a higher penetration of desktop users um, that we didn't think we would have <laughs> before. Um, so we've made some adjustments there. The other thing that we did, and we just did a whole whole slew of UI updates, was to actually make the mobile app and mobile web experience easier to use. There were some tap zones that we had to redo. There were some buttons that didn't make sense in some areas. So we've had to kind of rework the UI to be much more mobile friendly, while at the same time, changing the desktop experience to be a lot more desktop friendly as well. So two questions, and, and just coming back to our audience, what are some of the things that you've learned over the last year either COVID related or not, that you could share with our audience from a design perspective and, and design iteration perspective? Um, whatever your assumptions are, even if you user tested are gonna change <laughs> when, you, when you get into um, actual real life. So I think the thing I would, would say, Alex, is you know, trust your data, trust your analytics design for your most probable use cases and figure out how you, you stay the course with that but also then be willing to react and change when you have real world data. And that's what we've had to do. We introduced a product that really was brand new to the market. And we introduced a product that we thought users were going to use it a certain way. And we've had to adjust on the fly as we've gotten more data in, as we've done more surveys and studies about how our fans actually use it. We've had to adjust to that. I think the other thing that we've seen is we probably over-engineered some parts. We over-engineered and put a lot more work into areas that we thought fans we're going to have more interest in when we probably shouldn't have. And we probably haven't done as many enhancements to those areas as we have kind of the main use cases. I get a daily dashboard sent to me every day with every single click that somebody has made in there. And we tried to optimize for that. And like I said, there's areas where, you know, we've kind of not necessarily given up on the UX and UI, but we haven't invested as much time into it as we have the areas where fans are finding the most value. And so that'd be my, my feedback to people is, you know, utilize your data, utilize your, your user testing to optimize your product and don't dwell in the areas that maybe fans and users aren't using as much, um, unless it's one of your core KPIs, then you got to optimize for it. So Eric, what's next for TourCast? Are, are you planning to continue to iterate it? Is there another level of, of either sophistication or data or some sort of a graphic enhancement that you're looking to add? Yes, I can't go into too many details about what, what we're adding, but what we've seen fans respond really well to are some of the visual overlays. Like I mentioned, we're using LiDAR data right now. We have a handful of statistical overlays that we want to add to this. And basically, it's going to allow you to see how good or bad is the shot almost in real time. One of the other things we want to be able to get to is being able to show putt pass. So one of the things that we have right now is we can show the undulation in the green, how much a green moves up and down, but we want to actually be able to show what the real shot looks like or the real putt looks like. So how much did it break? And there and actually show visual representations of what it looks like um, inside there. And so then, you know, the other thing is how can we bring additional statistics and data to the forefront? So golf is data rich. It's sometimes a matter of how, do you, how much do you show to not confuse users. So we're trying to figure out how we bring in more statistics, more probability information into the experience so that fans kind of get an understanding of how hard or easy a shot is. Um, and we feel like TorCast is, is a great tool to be able to do that. And, um, two, two questions on that. And um, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to answer the first, but do you ever see this being in VR? So Oculus experience. Um, so we are actually uh, debuting at the FedEx Cup playoffs in real world AR. So we introduced an app two weeks ago 
where you can actually go and stand on a hole, hold your phone up, and it'll actually draw the shot trails out in near real time for you. So one of the reasons for that, Alex, is it's kind of a first step in the VR. We've done some VR experiments. What we find is actually AR on the course is actually better. And so we're working right now to try to figure out how do we scale this like real life AR? Because one of the things at a golf tournament, and, and you guys probably have been there before, when you're at a golf tournament, you don't know who hit a shot. You're sometimes 400 yards away. You don't know who hit a shot. But with this app, you're able to look back and see, okay, that was Roy McElroy. That's where his ball landed. And we actually draw the shot shape and you actually can see where the ball is. And then when he takes his second shot, you can see where he's standing and where the shot comes in. And so we're looking at how do we possibly scale that to more holes, to more courses next year so that you as a fan on site can actually get those shot trails drawn out just like we do with Torcast. Um, last question, and just, just out of curiosity, but do you see this applying to, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the people that are watching balls are basically marking the balls are volunteers, but, and, and I might be mistaken there, but do you see this application applying to them, right? So seeing where the ball lands or, or essentially a, a better tool for those people. We do. I can't get into the details of that fully yet. I'll, I'll answer that with, yeah, we do. There's a lot of predictive things that you can do with ball flight in order to, to help people. And there's there's a couple of things that we're looking at um, in relation to that right now. Yeah. I mean, at a, at a high level, it seems like this can be actually applied or integrated into the game in, in, in some ways. I assume you are experimenting with that or at least talking about it. Yep. It's just a matter of how much data can you sit, can you run through the pipes in real time. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And, and speaking of player specifics, like not just seeing from a fan perspective, but what about the player's perspective? Do you all survey them? Do they have a perspective on it? Do they, um, I mean, I imagine something like this would make Bryson DeChambeau's head explode. <laughs> I, um, we, last fall, we did interviews with about 16 or 17 players and two players, two, two star players, both told us how they use this tool post round to analyze their game. Interesting. And so one of them, one of them told me that he uses it after he finishes his round, he goes back and watches it because, because he's one that's featured a lot on TV or through PGA tour live. And he actually will, after he'll finish his round and go through and watch and use Torcast and watch the clips to see how well he played. Another player told me, told me a story about how he looks at it and he looks at some of the radar data to see how people are playing certain holes too, to understand um, how the course is playing. How other, um, pe- how too. other players are playing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was more focused kind of on his data. Um, but for, for those guys, like they can get their, they can get their radar data. And as soon as they get off the course, they can go through all 18 holes and get that information right away. And so, you know, there's a couple, those are the couple that I've, I've spoken to personally. There, I'm sure there's more out there that are, that are utilizing it, but those are the, those are the couple of stories we got last fall from, from firsthand from people who are using it. Well, Eric, this has been a great overview of uh, of Tourcast. Um, I appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us and kind of deep diving into some of the, the technical aspects of it. it. It's fascinating, and it seems like a cool cool product. And um, frankly, I think I need to start diving into it and checking it out a little more myself. <laughs> well, make sure uh, make sure you use it. We have the Tour Championship this week. It's the end of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Top thirty guys are competing for the the, the biggest prize in golf. So um, start watching on Thursday, um, Thursday through Sunday. You can follow along. 
Cool. Well, Eric, uh, if I could, I want to leave with with one last question here, kind of on a on a more general note. You know, we're we're talking to a lot of different designers uh, as part of this podcast, and our audience always wants to know how you know you can continue to learn or continue to deep dive into some of the topics. I'm curious what you use, whether it's if you can give us a book recommendation or another podcast recommendation or something you're using to kind of keep sharp or keep motivated uh, that inspires you to become a better designer every day. So. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to is um, How I Built This. And it's really more NPR. about starting, yeah, starting companies. And the reason I, reason I recommend that is so many times in product design and product development, you get into like this funk of like, how do I start this? Or how do I develop this? And what happens if things go wrong? And it's great to hear these founder stories. And it's great to kind of hear how they either designed themselves out of a situation um, or um, got lucky with it. And the thing, one of the things I take away from that is so much of success is founded on preparation and luck kind of intersecting. And that's kind of how I feel when it comes to product design a lot of times is you can prepare all day long, but sometimes you got to get lucky too. And you got to have things kind of coincide. And so it's like, how do you try to steer things back to your side to be more towards the preparation side and less on the luck side. So that's one that I, that I listen to. I love the 30 for 30 podcast series too. They do a great job. Like that's completely outside this realm, but given that I follow sports a lot, um, it's great for storytelling, not just the, the TV program or the, what you see on ESPN, but their podcast is fantastic too, from a podcast standpoint. So they do a great job storytelling, which relays a lot, to, which, which goes into what we do from the PJ tour a lot, which is how do we tell stories of our players? Great. Um, you are the second person in a row that uses those two examples. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, wow, there's something That's to funny. this. Yes. I was like, wow, this is incredible. That's funny. Well, at least we're consistent. Yes. <laughs> well, Eric, That's this, great. this has been great. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you coming to us, uh, all the way from Ponte Verde beach, uh, down there near Jacksonville and the home of the PGA, uh, headquarters. Uh, it's, uh, an honor to talk to you. I appreciate your time. And this has been fascinating. Great. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, sir.